I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, it's Luke Burbank. This is Livewire Radio. We're backstage in Portland, Oregon, and we've got a great show coming up for you. We're talking about the art and science of being a lady. We've got Joanna Lynn Ponce here, music from the Aaliyah Luya Choir. And Megan Amram is here, writer for Parks and Rec and author of a new book called Science for Her. What is the most important science principle for her laid out in your book, Megan? I talk a lot about the science of losing weight. I talk a lot about why women scientifically can't drive. My book is really just a way to bring science down to a woman's level and to fit in her cute little brain. Is this why there are so many protesters outside the theater tonight? Because they've read the book? I'm going to just assume that they're cute guys who want to date me. There's no way that they can see on my face how not joking I am. So you can say whatever you want. All right, this is going to be an even more fascinating hour than I thought it was going to be. Let's get out there and do this radio show. From PRI, Public Radio International, it's... Yes, it's Livewire Radio from the beautiful Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon, with Parks and Recreation writer Megan Amram, educator Joanna Ponce, and music from the Aaliyah Luya Choir. All that, plus comedy from our troupe, Ladies' Night at the Build Your Own Burrito Bar, and music from our house band led by Mr. Ralph Huntley. And now, the host of Livewire, everything he knows about being a woman he got from binge-watching Bosom Buddies, Luke! Wow. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We have a great show in store for you this hour. Uh, We're talking about the art and science of being a lady this hour. And um, I'm probably not the ideal host for that episode of radio. Uh, I'm not a lady, and I don't know anything about science. So I'm sort of 0 for 2. But this is some science I learned this week from... My hometown paper, the Seattle Times, headline, Seattle police officer credited with assisting erotically entangled eagles. (laughs) I'll let that wash over you for a minute. (laughs) Officer Vanessa Flick noticed a large crowd gathering around a bald eagle lying on a paved pathway as she drove past Leshy Park Wednesday afternoon. 
She assumed the bird was dead, but then saw that it was blinking and breathing. Upon closer inspection, she said that she noticed there were actually two bald eagles on the ground. Seems like you would notice that right away, but (laughs) she got there eventually. The eagles didn't show any obvious signs of trauma, so it was unclear how they had crash-landed. A witness told Flick that the eagles appeared to spiral mid-air together before their descent. A second witness, described by Flick as, quote, very knowledgeable about bald eagles, (laughs) cracked the case, Seattle Police Department. Found a random guy who seemed very knowledgeable about bald eagles. (laughs) Second witness said, he thought the birds had locked talons and become stuck after taking part in a mating ritual. And this is where the Seattle Times didn't just end there. They went the the extra yard and they went to the American Eagle Foundation website and they did some research. Turns out when bald eagles are mating, they perform a courtship ritual called cartwheeling. This is from the Eagle Foundation website. In this magnificent display, the eagles soar to dizzying heights, lock talons, and begin a breathtakingly death-defying plunge from the heavens. (laughs) Just moments before striking the ground, the eagles disengage and once again soar. If their timing is not perfect, certain death awaits the pair. (laughs) Now, if that is not the most perfect metaphor for being in a relationship... I don't know what is. Like, <laughs> like we, we, we dream about finding love. When it's happening, it's completely intoxicating, and there's a good chance it will kill us. <laughs> this is the best part of the story, though, is that the eagles completely survived. The uh, paper says, and this is so poetic, the erotic entanglement took one final majestic turn <laughs> as they felt... This is the police officer. As I felt the wind on my face and heard flapping, the two eagles took off in flight together. Okay, so if these eagles can do it, you guys, I feel like we got a chance, right? That's a little eagle science right at the top of the show for you. Let's get your your musical act out here. This act was formed like so many bands as an attempt to raise money to save a cemetery from being turned into condos. You know, that old chestnut. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to the cemetery, but the band, Alia Choir, turned out great, actually, and they're still together because uh, they're on the stage right now. And they feature music that has sparse arrangements and gorgeous two, three, and even four-part harmonies that will haunt your dreams, but not in a, like, Freddy Krueger way, in a good way. Please welcome Alia Choir to Livewire. Hi there. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. What are we going to hear first? Um, We're going to play a song called Tell Me. And I guess it was written like most songs where uh, I started writing it about all the things I was feeling anxious about. And I got about 19 verses in (laughs) and thought I should maybe change directions a bit. So then it turned into something about... uh, Getting old and dealing with all the things that I'm never going to have. That's great. So, it's a real barn burner. Yeah, Luke. sounds like you really turned a corner thematically. <laughs> all right, Aliyah Choir, right here on Livewire Radio. 
That's the Hallelujah Choir, right here on Livewire. Tonight we're talking about the art and science of being a lady, and we thought, hey, we know a lady. Not to brag. Um, she's our head writer. Here with her thoughts on ladydom, please welcome Courtney Hameister. Hey, everybody. So uh, tonight we're using the term lady a lot, and I hope that it's clear that uh, our tongues are planted firmly in our cheeks about that, um, because I have never liked the word lady. It reeks of propriety and obligation. 
The only times I can remember people using it in my presence have been to tell me the myriad things I shouldn't be doing because I'm supposed to be a lady. Ladies don't belch. Ladies don't pass gas. In fact, ladies never let anything go into or come out of their bodies. Um, ladies have Barbie parts. Uh, ladies are sexless. Ladies are humorless. Ladies don't make crass jokes. Ladies actually don't make jokes at all. Uh, or if they do, they're about a heated game of bridge with the Andersons, and they're never, ever funny. Ladies don't laugh, they titter. There's nothing fun about tittering. A, a titter is a laugh and an apology at the same time. The only time a laugh ever requires an apology is if your friend falls down in your presence and you laugh prior to asking them if they're okay. It's the only time you need to say you're sorry. Ladies don't skateboard or snowboard or waterboard or do anything with the word board in it. Uh, the only sports ladies are allowed to play are tennis and golf because both involve cute skirts and the word stroke without any sexual connotations. <laughs> ladies let the man set the pace in the relationship. Ladies wear bustles because it's a great place to store all the anger and frustration they feel about letting the man set the pace in the relationship. <laughs> ladies never ugly cry. Uh, ladies never yell or run or jump or spit or swallow or smoke or twerk or do body shots or discover radium or complain about sexism in the video game industry or swear or chew gum or do that pulley squatty combo that's required when the crotch of your tights is traveling to your knees. <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. So what I'm saying is ladies don't actually exist. Or I should say that they might appear to exist, but if you think you know a lady, she's doing every single thing on this list when she thinks that no one is looking. Especially the pulley-squatty-tights combo, because everybody has done the pulley-squatty-tights combo at some point in their lives. Even Batman has done it. <laughs> to ask someone to be a lady is asking her to conform to some non-existent, unreachable standard in the same way be a man or why can't we just have a normal family is. <laughs> I say if we all want to be around women who drink and actually have bodily fluids and cackle and have sex with their non-Barbie lady parts and eat hot wings and eliminate Skynet by using old Terminators against new Terminators, we should put the term lady into the same closet that gentlewoman and wench are hanging out in. Maybe they'll get along with each other in some weird way. Or maybe the next time you see someone acting in a way that you don't think correlates properly to the genitals you assume they have, maybe just take all those feelings that you're having about that and just shove them into your bustle. <laughs> There's a lot of room in there, and I should know I'm a lady. That was uh, Courtney Hommeister. Boy, I am learning a lot about ladies already. Just, I don't know how you guys are finding this show, but it's been very educational so far. By the way, this is Livewire Radio coming to you from Portland, Oregon, where our women are intelligent, politically active, and probably the member of a roller derby team. So I guess watch yourself. We will be right back. The Livewire podcast is sponsored by Ergo Depot, letting you know you don't have to feel guilty for sitting all day, largely because you don't have to sit all day. Studies show that getting up and moving around for even a few minutes every hour makes a huge difference. 
for your spine and cardiovascular health. Also, if you're away from your computer screen, it's significantly harder to Facebook stalk your ex. So that's kind of a win-win. To find furniture that improves your back health and your psychological health, visit ErgoDepot.com. Welcome back to LiveWire Radio from PRI, Public Radio International. While most of us uh, are just dorking around on Twitter, trying to get Louis C.K. or Kofi Annan to retweet us, Megan Amram has been using it to make a living, attracting enough attention with her absurdisms and pitch-perfect one-liners that she landed a gig writing for NBC's Parks and Recreation. Her first book, Science for Her, is what might happen if Cosmo wrote a questionable science textbook featuring chapters like How to Build a Biological Clock Out of a Potato and What Religion is Best for Your Body Type. Please welcome Megan Amram to LiveWire. Welcome to the show. It's so good to be here back in Portland where I'm from. Just, thank you. Just a beautiful sea of white people. Oh, it's amazing, milky. I don't want to get this off to uh, sort of on the wrong foot, but I'm just no, going to tell you that... No, we're doing great. We're doing great. Some of the science in this book seems pretty questionable. I'm curious about your background. Um, sounds like something a man would say. So um, thanks for just Touché. taking me down. Uh, now, as you explained, I did want to put science in terms that our little brains can understand. Um, most... Science textbooks are just way too complicated for a woman, and most science textbook covers are way too heavy for a woman's tiny little hands. Uh, so I wrote a book that is pint-sized. Um, it's Mrs. Size. It's cute. It's like size zero or two. Um, Let's get into some of the details. Like, for instance, when you explain the sexiest molecules. Oh, my God. I'd love to. Um, <laughs> Molecule, I didn't know any of this. I want to start by saying, I'm just like you guys. I'm basically an idiot. So I really was learning this. And my brain is so small that sometimes I'd learn facts about science and then I'd forget my name or my address. So uh, I really am... It really just pushes it right off the edge of the no shelf. I have no idea where I am. Yeah. Uh, I learned some science to answer this question and then I have no idea where I am. So sexiest molecules, if you look at them under a microscope, which is a thing, um, you can see that some molecules actually look like sexy ladies. So like water, H2O, um, actually looks like a lady with just her legs splayed in yoga pants. Uh, so I found that to be very scientific. All right. Uh, how about the process of actually making a biological clock out of a potato, which is a big part of this book. It's so fun. I like to bring science experiments that maybe you did in middle school into a lady level. So um, you may have made a potato clock, uh, but I made it so you could figure out when that all-encompassing urge to have children is going to explode within you, which is a biological clock. Um, and it might happen when you're 16, or it might happen when you're 41, in which case, old maid, bye-bye. Um, but biological clocks are very um, hard and important to understand. Yeah, but I mean, physically, how does the potato factor into it? I'm still confused. Oh, 
well, you put wires and stuff. The, the step in the uh, instructions is actually, it's like step nine, have your husband Google how to build a potato clock and oh, then okay, have him yeah. do it that for you. That makes sense. So I'm sorry to skirt the subject. I actually don't know. Um, okay. but the that fun- seems to be a recurring theme in the I'm not science afraid of this to book, Megan. It. I'm emotionally and physically naked. For all of you listening, I'm naked. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Uh, another uh, thing that I was, I, I'll just say, surprised to read about was the portion where you talked about viruses versus bacteria versus ex-boyfriends. Yes. So it <laughs> didn't seem super connected to me. Well, um, I just go into great detail about how um, there are some similarities, like viruses are not even organisms like ex-boyfriends, but also some bacteria can cause uh, sexually transmitted diseases like Uh, (laughs) ex-boyfriends. So there's actually a lot of Venn diagram-based interchange. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I just forgot my social security number trying to remember that. So... (laughs) Are you worried that there are people in the reading public who are going to get their hands on this book, Science for Her, and they'll read a line like, if a guy drinks red wine, he's gay, and they'll believe it. I mean, if he's buying a Science for Her, he's probably gay. So (laughs) I will say I'm not worried about that specific line. Um, I am so excited when people think it's a real book, which has happened a lot on the internet. (laughs) Because I'm a little rascal. <laughs> this is Livewire Radio. We're talking to Megan Amram. Her new book is Science for Her. Megan Amram, the pride of Portland, Oregon. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So is this, mostly, like, is this mostly like things that people are saying on Twitter where they're... they're they're just taking something very literally in the book and then getting super pissed at you yes, about it? Yes, mostly people have just seen the cover, which is a hardcore Cosmos cover with me in a very sexy lab coat um, mixing something together. Uh, and a lot of people on Twitter and Tumblr um, who are actually scientists are like, this is so bad, this is objectifying women and setting people back years, and I kind of want to be like, we're on the same team, don't worry. Uh, but Are you I, not able to do that because you have to kind of keep the bit going? Oh, I, the bit is all I have. It's, <laughs> I'm so desperately committed to the bit, so I think that the perfect uh, next step would be to write science for her for him, which is just a completely straight science textbook just (laughs) no jokes like I go back to grad school and learn how to write a science textbook for high school I write it for years put it out and then boom that's the bit just (laughs) done I I hope that the the folks listening out there in radio land and even the people here in the Alberta Rose Theater uh, will take a moment at some point in your day to go to Megan's Twitter feed and look at her profile picture which is horrifying yeah. <laughs> it's also, as somebody just said, the best. It's, it's deeply unflattering. And <laughs> what I wonder about that is, is like, I mean, you, you are a person who's probably not 
completely motivated by vanity, as now, evidenced remember, by this I'm picture. Naked. All right. you listening, right. I'm naked right now. Yeah. But here's my question. I mean, do you feel like you need to get enough pictures of you looking normal out into the world digitally no. to do a little bit of counter-programming so to that sad. profile picture? It was so sad to me when I had to put any other pictures on the internet, for real. All I want, for a long time, the only picture you could see of me was this crazy face that didn't even really look like me, hopefully. And uh, Are you that secure in yourself that you are fine with most of the world thinking that that is what you look like? Um, maybe it's that I'm so insecure that that's what I look like to me. Why would you ask me that? Uh, no, I think it's funny. It's like, it's like a lot of people have asked me about this picture, which I enjoy thinking that I put so much time and effort into cultivating my um, brand online. But really, I was like, uh, that's a funny picture. I'll change it later. And then just never did for years. <laughs> Uh, so you are uh, writing on Parks and Recreation? Yes. Is that uh, like a, just a riff fest writing for a network sitcom, particularly a very funny one? Or is it like a grind and on day one you learn that trying to write funny stuff is not itself a fun, funny process? Oh, no, riff fest, man. Riff fest. Um, I'm going to go back to work and say, I, we, I have a new thing to call us, riff fest. <laughs> um, it is so much fun. There are... 10 of us right now in the writer's room and it truly is filled with the funniest people I've ever met. So it holds you to a very high standard of comedy, um, less about uh, making stupid faces and more about high wit. Um, but it, everyone at my show is super nice and super thoughtful about issues going on in the world, which, um, to have a somewhat serious answer is I think our show is very feminist and it's really cool to work on a show like that. Shut up! Um, be women speak when spoken to. Um, and but, hoot never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is really awesome and I think informed how I wrote this book, which I think is a feminist science comedy textbook. You know, that old chestnut. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your mom uh, presented you at your uh, Powell's reading last yes. night, I understand. And is your mom here? She's tonight? not here. She's asleep. Wow. Okay. She, has to, she has to work tomorrow. Um, but Does she have a paper route? How early does she have to be up? <laughs> feel like she could have made it. Yeah. Well, like all women, she's very bad at driving, so yeah. she has to ride a little bike around right. with a Got little... Um, well, I was no, asking... we I, won't slut-shame her. I, <laughs> That's what that means. I was asking because this book uh, is very funny, but also very dirty, and I'm wondering yes. what her take on uh, the book is. She loved it. Like, sincerely, she loved it. I was less afraid of the dirty stuff, because uh, I knew she'd like that, uh, but... <laughs> More afraid that she just, like, wouldn't think it was funny, um, and she thought it was great, and I knew she'd tell me if she didn't, because every time I tweet, she'll usually say, oh, I love that, that was funny, or she'll say, mm, didn't think that was that funny, but based on the retweets you got, the young people liked it, so <laughs> she's very, she might know more about the internet than I do, so, um, but she was great at Powell's, she was very nervous, uh, someone asked her what she contributed to my book, and I said that she has great boobs. And it made me uh, understand the importance of your body and just showing it off. So I think she liked that. 
Uh, Megan, your new book is called Science for Her, and it's kind of a combo, uh, like science textbook and women's magazine. So we thought that maybe the perfect game to play would be Mary Boff Kill Scientist Edition. Love it. With you. We have to say Boff because we swore too much a couple shows ago and we got dropped by the station in Yuma, Arizona. Oh my God. That is a Wait, absolutely true story. Wait, I'm only doing this to reach Yumites. Yeah. So I'm very disappointed. It's their loss. All right, so Mary Boff Kill. Uh, I want to swear so bad now. Scientist <laughs> edition. Um, we have a few different categories. Uh, let's start with uh, electricity. And uh, because you're a woman, we've also made you a card with the names on there so you can remember them. Is this uh, like a hat? Yeah. This is a cute hat. Okay, so in the electricity department, Mary Boff Kill, Nikola Tesla, Thomas Edison, or Ben Franklin? Okay, I'm going to boff Nikola Tesla. Um, he sounds like he sounds like a like a hot mariachi band member. <laughs> So I think he has. That might a lot be the of... only time those words have ever been put in that order. <laughs> like I imagine he has like deep red and black leggings. Okay. Um, so he sounds really sexy. Yeah, I think he was Russian. That's very sexy. Mm. <laughs> I just I see a bunch of letters together in Nikola Tesla that I don't usually see in English. So that's all I see. Mm-hmm. Sounds very foreign. Okay. So um, that's you said boff. Yes, Bob. I'm uh, going to kill Thomas Edison um, because, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Some group has an agenda here. Yeah. <laughs> they They're like, you know what? Yeah. The Wizard of Menlo Park had it too good. Yes. Let's take him down a notch. Um, as all women know, lights are really bad because <laughs> they show all your problem areas. So I think Culture that... your body. Yeah. Um, I think that lights are maybe the worst invention that have ever been made for women. Okay. So that's why I'm killing Thomas Edison. And I'm going to marry Ben Franklin um, because he has lots of kites. (laughs) They sound fun. Okay. Good. Excellent. Those were all the right answers, surprisingly. (laughs) Uh, Next up, Mary Boff Kill in the psychology category, uh, Sigmund Freud, Dr. Phil, and Carl Jung. Um, Well, I'm definitely going to... Some people apparently boffed Carl Jung. And they're, really <laughs> they're in the audience. I really want to have a lot of talks with individuals <laughs> about science, their science background after this. I'm going to boff Sigmund Freud because I feel like he's going to cry a lot um, and call me mommy and stuff. Yeah. And it would be super hilarious to okay. see truly okay. how crazy... Um, now, I'm going to marry Dr. Phil because I want to change my last name to Phil. Um, I have always loved thinking okay. his name is like Dr. John Phil. <laughs> and then I guess what's the... Um, uh, kill. kill. Oh, well, I'm going to kill Carl Jung. I mean, he never calls me. Yeah. He's like not very nice to me. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. So he occasionally I'm kill him. tells you your tweets aren't as great as they could have been. Yeah, he's always that guy tweeting back at me, being like, "Eh, six out of ten. <laughs> so okay, um, those were the wrong answers, by the way. Um, but that's all right. Uh, one more. Uh, let's see. Do you want rock star scientists or potpourri? Oh my god. Um, this is probably the hardest decision you're going to make uh, in like I guess two weeks. Potpourri. Potpourri. It is. Okay, so potpourri. Mary Boff kill for Megan Amram. Uh, Parks and Rec, and also author of Science for Her. Uh, Mary Bothkill, Marie Curie, Noam Chomsky, or Charles Darwin? 
No. And, and amazing both party in a jacuzzi with all of them is not an option. Yeah, I mean... Because I know you're thinking it. I have such a clear vision in my head right now. Um, I'm going to have to kill Marie Curie. Wow. Um, okay. Because she really overstepped her bounds there. <laughs> she took a lot of... I mean, I talk about this in my book. I have a section called Marie Curie versus Marie Claire. Um, I think that um, Marie Curie in like the best lighting was only like a four. Um, and Edison. That, and that lighting was, of course, the radiation that gave her cancer and killed right. her or whatever. Okay. Um, so she's got to go. Let's end it on a dark note. Um, lo- love you, babe, but you got to go. Okay. Um, now I'm going to boff Noam Chomsky because I want him to chomp. Yes. It's great to see you, Noam. Um, <laughs> I want him to chomsky my gnome. Does that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, is that absolutely. Anything? That is a thing. Okay. That's that is. a thing. Turns out um, chomsky her gnome. And then I would like to marry Charles Darwin because I feel like our love will just evolve and get better over time. I got... And that is how you play Mary Bob Kill, Scientist Edition, with Megan Amram. Megan, thank you so much. Thank you. Man. So funny for a girl. Um, Livewire is brought to you in part by New Belgium Brewing. This week featuring Portage Porter, a warm, toasty porter with chocolate aromas and a deep brown hue that tells the world, yes, I can handle a dark beer because I am a person of substance. And yes, that is also chicken wing sauce on my face. I contain multitudes. More information at newbelgium.com. Jeannie? Yeah, Dad? Honey, I need to speak to you tonight about some things that, as your father, I'm required to tell you now that your mother is living with that jackhole, Ron Dupree, in Port St. Lucie. Is, is everything okay? All is well here. I'm just going to provide some facts for your general health now that you are a young person from the ages of 12 to 14. Okay, I'm 15. But uh, the interruptions need to cease at this point. I've got a lot to cover. Okay. First up, Menstruation. Your cycle occurs in your body three to four times a month for up to two weeks at a time. Okay, Dad, that doesn't even... There's not eight weeks in a month. Uh, All right, this is straight from Ask Jeeves, okay? Okay. You'll need some tampons and a colander. Now, you're approaching an age where you can get pregnant at virtually any moment and in most situations. Like where? Thank you for asking. At the gym, German-made cars, toilet seats not in this house, some of your more rousing games of backgammon, eating a Chinese meal and then seeing an R-rated movie, inside most Red Robin locations. Okay, but what if I kiss a boy? Pregnant. Dad, none of these reasons... I just got just a few more. Community swimming pools, sharing tandoori, thrift store dressing rooms, Steely Dan's gaucho, the Russian national anthem, owning a ferret, holding hands with a boy. Holding hands with a boy. That is the most potent of methods. Dad, you can't get pregnant by holding hands. Like, name one person conceived by hand-holding. Your cousin Marvin, the Osmonds, and you. What are you talking about? All your mom and I ever did was hold hands and go see Varsity Blues, and then boom, she's pregnant. 
Oh, my God. Seriously. Do you not know how babies are made? Well, now that you bring it up, not exactly. I know it has something to do with James Vanderbeek. Okay. You know what? This feels like a lost cause. I'm just going to go over to Sarah's house. You should call Mom. Okay, honey. That's real good. Uh, do not watch Dawson's Creek over there. That's Andrew Harris and Courtney Hameister. Tonight we are talking about the art and science of being a woman, and we thought nobody might know more about that than somebody who's made the transition from male to female. So we've invited Joanna Lynn Ponce on the show. Joanna transitioned in 2003 after living as a man for over 50 years. She's now a writer, educator, and advocate for the transgender community. Please welcome Joanna Lynn Ponce to Livewire. Are you nervous? Oh, of course. <laughs> How did you feel when we, we called you, a radio show called you and said, we're doing a show called The Art and Science of Being a Lady? Yeah, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know, you get those things from Nigeria and yeah. whatever. And I, thought was, I wasn't going to give you my credit card number, but... We, this is the thing, Joanna. We have a lot of money we're getting from our father. We just need your bank account to store it for okay. a brief amount of time. After the show. Okay, good. Okay. Um, when did you start to feel in your life that something was different for you? Oh, for, you know, when I was quite young. I think I was young as eight years of age when I started um, putting on girls' clothing and um, doing it very secretively. And, uh, you know, so that, that was my first experience. Uh, it went on for a long time. I think... In my, when I was a young adult, I thought I was a cross-dresser, but, um, but later on, as I got older, I realized that I didn't like going back and forth male-female. I wanted to just be female. And then when did uh, it start to evolve in your mind? You were living as a man for 50 years. Right. That's a long time to yeah. be in one gender. Yeah, so um, part of it was that it didn't evolve very clearly because there wasn't a lot of um, language around it. I mean, nowadays, we have terminology like gender dysphoria, uh, transgender, transsexual, you know, gender variant. Those terms didn't exist for me. And even in in my 40s, I had never heard most of these terms at all. So um, I was sort of, I I, I had a sense of who I was, but I didn't have any way of defining it. I didn't know any other people that were like that. So then what changed? I mean, what... what so, told you this well, is something I'm going to actually yeah, so the make big, the move on. The big event that happened to me was my father passed away um, in 2000, and I went to go take care of him. He was in a hospice. And uh, while he was lying there in the bed on morphine and dying, and I started thinking a couple of things, and one of the things that hit me was that that could be me lying on that bed about to die, and there was a secret inside of me that I had never let out to anyone. And I'd carried this around for as you said, 50 years. So when I came back to Portland, Oregon, I immediately went and found a therapist and started talking with that therapist. Now, I had seen therapists before, but uh, they weren't very helpful because I wasn't very good at articulating what was going on inside me. But this time, I just laid everything bare, and we had, and I began, uh, through therapy, begin to understand what was going on. I joined an organization called Northwest Gender Alliance, which is here, 
and they were a great organization, and they helped me also understand the things that were going on and to kind of look at the whole spectrum of gender variance. What was that like for you the first time you said out loud to another person, I, I believe I'm a woman? It was very liberating, very strong, and very, but it was also frightening, you know, um, because the people I came out to were the people that I was closest to, the people I loved very dearly. Um, and um, so that was very nerve-wracking. Nerve How did they respond? Well, I've been very fortunate. I've never had... I don't have a dramatic story. I um, came out to my uh, family, uh, who are, where background is Mexican-American Catholic. And uh, as you can imagine, that's a tough group to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to come out to. And yeah. uh, so... Uh, but they were all wonderful, and um, I still have a very close relationship with my family, possibly even a closer relationship, um, and with my friends and my colleagues at work. And I, I came out in 2003 to family and friends. I was pretty much Joanna on the streets and everywhere. I didn't I transition at, at work until 2004. That was at Clackamas Community College as an ESL teacher, and they were wonderful with it. Um. Uh, this is Live Wire Radio. We're talking to Joanna Ponce about her transition into being a, a female after living for 50 years as a male. Now that you are a physically a woman, does it feel the way you thought it was going to feel when you were living physically as a man? You know, it was hard to imagine. I think um, I had one idea, uh, but I think what it really does, it feels a lot more, it feels a lot better. It feels a lot more normal. Um, as I tell people, I'm I just emotionally feel better. I, I, I psychic, psychically feel better. I'm happier, calmer. Uh, there's very little aggression in my life these days. I'm much more uh, inclusive with people. Um, and I've sort of um, kind of made uh, kindness my religion, to, to paraphrase the Dalai Lama. Wait, so do you think that is because you are more at peace with the physical body you're Absolutely. in, or is it because of a, a physiological difference? You know, I think, it's, I think it's both. I think it's both the physical difference and it's also how that has impacted my emotional well-being. Yeah. What do you think uh, uh, people want to ask you but are too oh, nervous God. or embarrassed to ask you? Well, I think I told you I talked to several psychology classes and sociology classes, and a lot of times people are afraid to ask me about surgery. And then I say, well, go ahead, ask me about surgery. And then they get all like, interested in it. So that's, that seems to be an area that they go, should we ask her? Should we go there? You, know? uh, you don't speak for the entire trans community, of course. But you are, as I understand it, the only trans person we have on this stage. So I'm wondering. You never know. That's, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Which brings me, which brings me to the, the question I wanted to ask, and not that you're the spokesperson for any group of people, but for well-meaning non-trans people, what's, what's the, the stuff that, that we can do and also the stuff that we can try to avoid so that we can be inclusive to trans people? I think uh, one of the things is just to educate yourself. You know, you can, you can go online to a Trans 101 and it'll just take you right through basic transgender information. And of course, you know, I represent uh, male to female, but there's a lot of female to male transgender people and in Portland. And Portland is sort of a mecca for transgender people because of the uh, inclusiveness of the culture and the friendliness and, and everything else. What, what was the... Um... 
fans of inclusiveness. <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that from a public radio crowd. Okay. I guess you never know. What, um, what's the, what is unexpected for you ab- about being a woman? What, what surprised you? Hmm. You know, I think uh, for me, I was socialized as a male, not socialized as a female. So I've had a long and uh, learning curve, um, which I really embrace and I really enjoy learning, and I'm still learning. So, you know, transition is not something that happened in the past for me. It's something happening every day for me. The most surprising thing I learned, and this was my therapist told, what, told me, he said, when you transition, everybody you know who loves you will transition too. And I think that's true. And everybody I come in contact with transitions also. Wow. Joanna Ponce, thank you so much. Joanna Ponce of Portland, Oregon, right here on Livewire Radio, coming to you from PRI. Hey there, radio listeners. It's Luke. Hey, don't forget that we also have a podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, just about anywhere else you can grab digital to-go content. Subscribe today, and you know what? Maybe even leave a review if you're the reviewing type. And you probably are because you're a public radio listener. We're sure you have opinions. Uh, Find out more at livewireradio.org. And thank you. Well, uh, we've had quite an hour of learning the art and science of uh, being a lady. I'm wondering, have have we learned anything? Andrew Harris? You learn anything? Yeah, I feel like uh, my feelings for eagles is kind of mixed now. Hmm. Like, the problem, Jessica Creatures, when you were talking in your monologue about how they have sex falling towards the ground, and if the timing is wrong, they die. And I feel like if they were to die, like, the other eagles would be like, God, I feel really bad for Joaquin and Melinda. But really, they couldn't just stop, and, you know, they had to finish... They had to, they had to, so I don't know. Yeah. Mixed feelings. But what a way to go, if you think about it, right? Announcer Jason Rouse, you learn anything this hour? I did. I learned once again that I know next to nothing about women as a whole. Um, and I actually borrowed uh, Courtney's wonderful uh, essay to read just to make sure. Yeah, know nothing. Yeah. And I think it's because the first seven cats I had as a child were all called Lady. And to me, that was just an acceptable thing to call a beautiful thing that purrs and will come up to you and show you, albeit conditional love. I'm really glad that, um, I'm glad we were able to straighten that out for you tonight because that sounds like a bad way to go through life. I, I, was, I was surprised, and I guess I learned when Megan Amram came out naked that we can do that on this show, apparently. I had no idea. I can't believe no I've been idea. wearing pants this whole time, but all right. You live and learn. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. One more time, please give it up for our band, Alia Choir, right here on Livewire.
honest license where you won't be judged for your smart transgression. Nobody cares when we come or go. I wish I had a trusted comrade I could care for, making us the one who's always there for my favorite one at the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Ali Alleluia Choir right here on Livewire Radio. Wow. And that is our show. Thank you so much, everybody. Our thanks to our guests, Joanna Lynn Ponce, Megan Amram, and the Ali Alleluia Choir. This show is made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, and Laughing Planet Cafe. Hotel accommodations generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe, 
Robin Tenenbaum is the executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Courtney Hameister is our head writer and a producer. Jim Brunberg is a producer as well. Ralph Huntley is our musical director. Our house band includes Jonathan Newsom, Paul Brainerd, and Louis Longmire. Jason Rouse is associate producer and part of our writing team along with Alex Falcone. Guest writer Caitlin Kunkel, Scott Poole, and me. Our performers are Sean McGrath and Andrew Harris. Graham Nystrom is our technical director. House sound by Neil Blake. Our stage management by Jillian Tabler. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, Meyer Memorial Trust, the Oregon Arts Commission, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, the Oregon Cultural Trust, Work for Art, the Oregon Community Foundation, and listeners like you find beautiful people. For more information about our show and how to become a member of LiveWire, visit LiveWireRadio.org. And you can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And find us on Twitter and Facebook at LiveWire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank. We'll see you next week. PRI Public Radio International. Dear LiveWire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.